Welcome to the Warm Down Podcast, Episode 7. My name's David. I'm with Rem. Today's episode will be breaking down the action from the semi-finals of the Euros between Italy and Spain and England and Denmark. And moving forward, we're going to be previewing the final between Italy and England, and with England being in the final for the first time since 1966. And we're going to discuss who's in the running for the Ballon d'Or and the player of the tournament. And then moving forward, having a discussion about the lack of appreciation that Raheem Sterling's getting from the England fans and the media. And if we have any time left, um, we'll have a brief discussion about the important UFC fight between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. It's happening tonight. Uh, best place to start, Rem, to discuss about this, the Spain versus Italy game semi-final, which ended up very close game. It ended 1-1, and it actually went to penalties, where Italy edged it 4-2. The goals come from Chiesa and Morata, who scored for Spain, and Italy edged it on penalties 4-2. Very exciting game. Ren, what did you think about the game? Uh, do you think Italy were worthy winners? I'm not sure if they were worthy winners. I think they deserved their place in the final for their overall performances throughout the tournament. It was a great game. Very interesting game. First half, not like there was abundance of chances for either side. Like, but just the football that was on display, the energy some of the quality in the passing. As I said, not too many chances created. We know how stubborn Italy can be and the game played out maybe a bit different to how people would have thought going into the match. I would say the Italy were favourites going into the game. Maybe you could say even big favourites, depending on how, how you looked at it. I was very impressed with Spain. I think they showed you an example of stepping up your levels in the tournament as you go along. Do you know what I mean? They, they started this tournament with two draws, then they got a 5-0 victory. They had the, the crazy game with Croatia, which was 3-3, but in that game, they, they, they showed glimpses. Then, who did they beat in the next round? Switzerland. Switzerland took yeah. it to penalties in the end, um, but they had enough chances to win that match as well. We had the discussion about Morata on goal scoring and, and stuff like that. They, they actually witnessed this game with no striker, basically. Um, Danny Elmo. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, Danny Elmo playing at, um, um, that false nine role. And I think it just caused havoc for Italy. Um, Busquets was getting on the ball. They didn't know whether to approach Busquets. And when they did approach Busquets, it left Pedri free. And with Pedri, um, sorry, Busquets' accuracy of passing, his, his mental strength under pressure, he dealt with all them situations which sliding balls through to Pedri. Alma was, I mean, that, that's as good as performance kind of you're going to see with a guy with, without hitting the net. Just didn't score his, his his chance. Didn't have too many chances. That first half, he had a big chance, which he, sh- he should have put away, to be honest. Um, so Spain could be frustrated, to be honest. Um, they deserved extra time, definitely at least. In extra time, the game, you know how it goes. It kind of dies down a bit. Um, and both sides looked like it was just kind of withering out towards um, penalties. But Italy did show in the second half of extra time a bit of fight back and, and like they were, all right, let's try and steal this. Um, 
But yeah, so Spain can be disappointed because the chances that they made throughout the game, um, they'd be disappointed in score more goals than, than just the equaliser with what, like 10 minutes ago or seven minutes ago or something like that from right at the sub. You know what I mean? And then you eventually went and missed a penalty. But you think you're supposed to start the game? game? Hmm? Morata. Should you, you start? Think, uh, Morata deserves to start the game. Should, no, should you start? And Rinke make a um, bad choice? No, no, no. I thought he made he made a brilliant choice because, to be honest, they should have won. If anyone should have won, they should have won. Um, Italy played in spells. Chiesa scored a brilliant goal to give them the lead. Um. And I said they played in spells that they, they they had to adapt their game. And I remember I brought this up before. Can, can they adapt their game to go back to mm. old Italy when they need to? And they showed in that game they can. They can set up defensively. But the question is, not not the question, but Spain did create enough chances to win the game anyway. So did they get break that kind of defense? But they just themselves whether um miss, missing great opportunities. Donnarumma made a couple of decent saves, but yeah, I, I, th- I think his, his his decision was justified. Are you surprised with Italy, how open they were, how Spain were able to create opportunities and um, get through? I, I won't criticise Italy for that. I, I'll give praise to, to Spain. As I said, I think they stepped up the levels. When it was needed, they stepped up the levels for me. And um, as I said, from the very beginning, my concern about Spain was just goal scoring. Oh. It's great if you can have goals from every other area. Um, like Italy have kind of done. They've, they've chipped in goals from around the pitch. Insignia, Immobile, Chiesa, Chiesa, sorry, um, Barellas chipped in as well. Um, Locatelli scored twice. People have chipped in and, and I've, with Spain... They've had to kind of rely on people chipping in here and there. If they just had a goal scorer, Spain could have won this tournament. Um, but again, Italy, Italy are a force. They are a force. They showed that they can kind of play both ways. And, and as I said, give credit to Spain that they created enough chances to win the game. But overall, I think Italy, throughout the tournament as a collective, deserved their place in the final. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, how do you feel about Spinner Lowe's? Obviously, he's injured. How much of an impact is that going to be um, in the final? Because he's been quite influential for the, t- uh, the Italian team. So him him being now injured sh- surely might have an effect on Italy, do you think? Yeah, I think I think huge. I did think Emerson did well, to be honest, like when he came in. Mm. Um, he's just not as... Um, Expressive as Spinozola. He's completely, he, he's Mancini let him off the leash, I guess, as well. And mm. it's just pure confidence in his play to go down that left hand side without no worries. Um, so it's, they're definitely going to miss that. We'll get on to talking about the final later, but um, they're definitely going to miss that. But as I said, I think Emerson did fairly well with his attacking. He hit the bar at the end of the first half as well. Clipped the bar. Um, he was getting forward. Um, again, he's just not on the levels of what Spinozola showed because Spinozola could have easily got player of the tournament. He's been that good from left back. Yeah. What did you think? Yeah, I think he's been... 
Yeah, I mean, just to touch on that point with Spinazzola, you know, he's, he had a decent tournament coming up, you know, before he got injured. And I noticed how good he was for Roma because he caused United a few problems before he got injured you know, in the first leg. Um, so, yeah, a fantastic player. But the game as a whole, I thought it was quite end-to-end. I was very surprised um, with Spain. I didn't expect them to be that influential. I was a bit, dis- I was a bit dubious of the fact that, you know, um, Enrique didn't play a striker. But it did work out to be quite good for them because, you know, the, the amount of chances that they had during the game, I thought they would have gone on to win it. But credit to Italy. I just think under Mancini, and I don't know whether or not it's just the Italians in general, that mentality to be able to oversee a victory. And they've got some really special players. Um, Chiesa, I've been very impressed with. Yeah. Um, Barella again. And I think Jorginho, I think he's been he's been really key to how... Italy have been playing very solid, very secure, kind of the hub of the team, along with all the other players around. And obviously, the, the, the Italy are always renowned for having a strong defensive setup. And I was quite impressed with the way Spain were able to get um, get at them. It was a great end-to-end game, but I think overall this tournament, Italy have kind of shown consistently that they've been the best, one of the best teams in the tournament. Impressive victories. I mean, they they beat Belgium uh, the following round in the quarters. Um, you know, breeze through the group. Um, they look very strong, and they're going to be. You know, they, they, you've got to put them. You know, in the conversations. You know, as as potential favourites. But we'll obviously get onto the the preview in the final. But overall, Mancini's a tactician. You know, you know what he's all about. He set up the team, and everyone wants to play the team. I've got this kind of united spirit with Italy, and I'm quite impressed with the way they have. And Chiesa for me is the key man. I think he's, the, he's he really is the guy. When he gets the ball, the goal that he scored was fantastic. It just again. I'd be very surprised if you know he don't get linked with a few names in the in the transfer window because he's had a brilliant tournament. Um, I heard he yeah, has already. Overall, I'm really impressed. Juventus yeah. have just basically said oh, that he's he's not going nowhere. There's he's there's no way, no matter what money they're not going to sell him. Um, he's going to be a big part of the future. Shout out to P though because P did mention Kiesa mm. and was saying about. The one concern that he had with it, he was about having that kind of maverick player, that guy who does a bit of individual brilliance, and and I think he's provided mm. that. Uh, it, yeah. We know in senior what he can do. Um, he loves that finesse coming in off the left onto his right foot. Loves it. Clever player as well. Links up with the Mobley well. Yeah. But Kiesa just has an individualness about him, like. The, the, I just want to, the, the energy from Italy is just, it's, it's impressive, man. Um, yeah. I, I know what Verratti's like. I'm a big fan of Verratti. Always have been. He's, he's a tidy footballer, will keep possession. Um, and the combination of Jorginho Barella and Verratti in midfield is, is a very, very good combination. And it's been brilliant. And they've adjusted and they've listened to what the managers asked with that pressing and the energy and, and 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 they've been they've been as I said they deserve their their place in the final. Um, yeah, huge huge impress. And we know about the defense. We know the two leads that they got in the back. Mm. My concern was pace and again in again in the Belgium and Spain games they did concede chances, some very good chances and they maybe rode their luck in both in both games, to be honest. So 
they could have gone yeah. out in both games, but they 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 never give up. They never give up. They're always on it. I think Mancini is very quick with his changes, which can be a hindrance. I, I think because he starts to take off the influential players a bit early to have that Italian mentality where right, we're gonna shut out this game now. Do you know what I mean? And it's dangerous in the tournament because you but never you know. As I said, look, Spain equalised with seven minutes to go. It kind of looked like Spain have had all the good chances and they've not gone in. Italy are going to get through this and get get over the line with a 1-0 victory and then a lovely link-up between Morata and Almo um, and Morata slotted it this time. But do you think Mancini, looking at, does he feel that he has a strength in depth? Do you think he's a bit worried just kind of make sure there's no injuries, get the influential players off, saving them for the next game. Do they? Do you think that probably their hindrance is that they don't have that strength in depth, where kind of re- replace the quality and bring on quality? Do you yeah, reckon that's I, a problem think, for them? I, I think you yeah, like your point about saving the players. Yeah, and and you're in the tournament and you've got a game every what four or five days, so. You kind of have to have to have that in your mind. You know what I mean? When you're making subs, when when you're looking at the they they will come a point in the game with 15, 10 minutes left. If you are when you are, it, it's automatically gonna happen. You're gonna start thinking about that next match and who can I not get get injured or who can I save and, and stuff like that. Um but look, they're in the final now. There's one more game to go, they just gotta get through this. Obviously, we know Spinanzola's not there. That's one player injured, one player out. So they've had to now having to use their squad. They had to get through with Archelini for a few games, and they did that. Um, they adjusted the right back early on. It was Renzi who started the tournament, and um, oh god, I can't think of his name. Guy plays for Napoli. Lorenzo, Lorenzi, I think. Uh, Lorenzo, Lorenzo. Yeah, Lorenzi. The, the, yeah, yeah, one the of the right two, back. yeah. He's, he's, he's coming and done okay. He's more defensive, isn't he? Uh, as I said, getting onto, when we get onto the final, I, I do have a concern about them in, in certain areas, and we'll talk about that, where the key battles are. But, yeah, as I said, man, overall, I think they deserve their place. As I said, Spain were very impressive in that game. But from the very beginning of the tournament, my concern with Spain was goal scorer. And um, I think that's cost them. Mm. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, moving on to the second semi-final, uh, which was England versus Denmark at Wembley. England managed to do it. They won 2-1. Uh, was a known goal by Kia. And Damsgaard scored a wonderful free kick. And then your boy Harry Kane saved the day after he fluffed the penalty, got the rebound, 2-1. Uh, <laughs> England are in the final for the first time since 1966. I know everyone's happy, excited. People are saying it's coming home. Is it really coming home? Based on the performance. The, the, listen, England, fair dues, man. They've play, they played well, man. They've played well. They, they deserve to be where they are. Um, and credit to Southgate as well, because a lot of criticism, on, you know what I mean? Um, is he yeah. too negative and this and that? But it doesn't really matter, man. As long as you win football matches, as long as you have enough moments in matches to win games and and, and you can take them and then you're keeping them out at the other end, which, to be honest, they've been doing. 
they can. Yeah, they've been impressive. They, they, um, they definitely, they, anyway. they, they, they can win this game. The fact that listen, it's basically been a home tournament for them, so this it is it has been an advantage. Every game bar one, they've been at mm. Wembley, and now more and more crowds coming back. Yeah, we saw that like, Denmark game. I, not saying that was the reason why they won it. I, th- I think, to be honest, Denmark kind of ran out of steam, um, and maybe just yeah. didn't have enough quality. Once the subs were made, you just and I've been impressed with Denmark when it's come to that as well. Every kind of player in that squad has played their part almost. They made a lot of subs. They lost Ericsson early on. Um, the emergence of Damgard, Damsgard has been one of the one of the stories for them. They had Paulson, who, who missed the last game, had to come on. I think missed one or two games before that as well. Um, yeah. The full-backs, they've interchanged at times, especially the right-back and, and whether it's Wass or it's um, um, Signa Larson, and, and and they've done well. Um, the defense has been solid. In in an individual way, I've been impressed with the defense. Not that they haven't conceded or nothing like that, but just individually, I've been impressed with the diehardness they put themselves where it's mattered and played with a lot of passion and, and spirit. Um, but yeah, as I say, in- England deserve to win the match. Was the penalty a penalty? No, no way for me. Um, and I was saying, as a Spurs fan, I've seen Hurricane take many penalties, and I was like, this guy does not miss. He obviously has missed mm. a few in his career, but listen, he missed. He missed and got a bit lucky because the rebound fell to him. Um, but as I said, man, fair dues to England, fair dues to Southgate. Um, and they are. We deserved him. What have you been impressed about Southgate this tournament? What has he done differently compared to what he the, the last tournament in the World Cup? Um, the last tournament, I think they didn't have the biggest competition. Let's be honest, in the games, didn't mm. have the biggest um, biggest competition going throughout it. They didn't play Croatian semis. They could have won that game, to be honest. But they didn't. Um, it's not on what he's improved from the last one. I just think the players have gained more experience, and and they're they're a good they're a good group of players. You know what I mean? Um, and I say individually, attackively, I don't think there's been any absolute world beating performances from from anyone, to be honest. And I mean anyone, but. When you're solid in a tournament, you give yourself a chance. And you can, as long as you don't see, you can take your, let's say, free, one of your free chances that you make, four good chances that you make if you make them in the game. And that's kind of what it's been for England. I've, I've, I'm, I've been impressed with them as a team. Their, their, their solidness, their organisation. Uh, the fact that he's stuck with that centre midfield after all the criticism, all the noise from... These fans that know so much and want them to go out there. We all want our teams, or if you're a fan of England or whatever, to, to go out there and, and, and score four goals a game and play some attackive team and some beautiful football. You're not, you're not Man City. Southgate isn't Pep. You know what I mean? He's not going to do that. Mm. He's going to do what he feels comfortable in and all the credit goes 
to to him that he's 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 stuck with his bottle, he's stuck with his beliefs, and um, yeah, he's 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 not listened to any noise, and he's just gone with it. He's, he's gone with it. He's he's gone with the team that he's trusted. He trusted Sterling. He started it every game. Everyone before the tournament, yeah. no one wanted him to start. It. He started him ahead of Grealish, ahead of Foden. These kind of golden boys, you know what I mean? And 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 credit to him for that because that's why England are in the final. Raheem Sterling has scored enough goals and been in the right place at the right time and had enough energy about him and enough belief about him to to be in the right place at the right time and and in certain games he, he's caused problems for teams with his pace. Um, Rice and Phillips have not been brilliant in every single game but they haven't had to be because behind them Maguire's come in and been excellent um, and my shout for if it wasn't Sterling England's player of the tournament is Carl Walker because I think he's just been brilliant I've been impressed with the goalkeeper too I, I'm not a fan of him I just think he's too he's too emotional man he, for a goalkeeper mm. I know they say goalkeepers are mad but it's like he tries to be mad. He tries to be even more madder than he is. Everything is exaggerated. Everything he does, saves he does are exaggerated. Kicks every time. I he think he's seen a psychologist. Yeah, he needs help. <laughs> he needs help, that guy. <laughs> at times, man. And you know what? There's one more game left. And for his sake, I hope it don't cost them nothing dumb. Because the closer we're getting to mm. this final, he started to fuck up a bit. Do some dodgy kicks. And some people say the free kick should have saved. I'm giving the credit to the, the guy to his free kick. I'm not a goalkeeper, so I'm not going to overly criticise him. I ain't saving that. He hit it well. He got it over the wall. The wall's job is to stop it. The wall jumped. He got it over the wall. Once it gets over that wall, it's got enough pace. But the goalkeeper just couldn't save it. Um, so I'm going to give the credit to, to Damsgaard for that. Um, but yeah, as I said, they deserve to be where they are. Um, and yeah, so I think I think. Do you, do you think they've got a chance? Do, yeah, do you think, obviously, that question we asked before, like um, you know, talking about Sterling's influence on the game. Mm-hmm. So I know we mentioned it before about um, whether does he fit go into that bracket of a world class player based on his performance in this tournament. Oh, you asked me. Yeah, but do you feel he, now does he fit in into that World Cup? Well, obviously, we know Harry Kane's a world class player, but with obviously Sterling's influence in the England team and kind of almost single handedly got them into the into the final. Is he now in a position to be classed as world class? Listen, man. Right. Let, let me let me let me go into this a bit. I have enough respect for Raheem Sterling for many reasons. Mm. He's from the ends. He's, he's from Brent. Listen, as a as a youngster, as a young as a young guy, you, you have temptations and stuff. And he's stuck with his football career, man. So give him credit for that, for even becoming professional. Because not too many men that we know that that grew up mm. around here, actually, not like I knew him, I didn't know, him, but that become ballers. And and that's the truth. Not many of them do, especially to the level where he's got. You know what I mean? Um, so I give him credit for that one because he's worked hard to get where he's got and and he deserves credit for that all the all the little challenges he must have had growing up with with 
when it comes to bedrooms or whatever, you push all of that aside to say, listen, I want to be a baller. And he's become a baller and he's earning mad money and he deserves it. Through hard work, he deserves it. Whether you think footballers deserve the money that they get, that's another whole other thing. But at the end of the day, in his profession, he's, he's, a, he's a good player. Is he a world-class player? No. I, this tournament doesn't change that for me. He still has too many moments of, of not, world, not world-classness, you know, if that's a word. Um, yeah, nah. too many silly misses, too many silly decisions. Um, but for one, he's the probably the quickest player I've seen live. Um, I've not seen a guy move like that. He is rapid. He's mad quick. Like, but that doesn't make him world class because his technical ability he isn't world class. Um, his consistency, especially off the back of the season that he's had at Man City, he's not world class. As I said, yeah, no, I, I get that. I, 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 I... I get what you're saying and that, but I, I kind of have to disagree a little bit because, listen, I, I thought coming into the tournament, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, this season he hasn't been up to scratch on on par. And I personally was one who said that he shouldn't really be in the starting lineup at the beginning of the tournament because I don't think yeah. he's done enough over the season to be warranted that. But kudos to, to Southgate giving, sticking by Sterling because of his international form. And he's, he's paid off. He's done that. But I always think, with a, you know, like I said, I, I'm a bit like yourself. I don't like to throw that word world-class. Going into the tournament, you know, I was a bit on the fence of whether or not he's in that bracket. But to take England, to be that influential, to take England to a position of a final for the first time, he's shown, you know, when it mattered. And that's what a world-class player does. When it matters, taking that opp- opportunities and doing it. And, you know, England, over the course of this tournament, have, have had challenges. They, they've had to face Croatia. They've played... You know Germany, you know, and, and you know they they and Denmark, some notably difficult teams. And when when you needed someone consistently to kind of perform and the go-to guy, that's been Sterling. And I think he's shown credentials of what a world-class player should be. Um, and I, I think he's leaning towards that because he's he's shown he can be consistent over a course of this tournament. Whether he goes on to continue that vein for, for the club is a different story. But I think in this tournament, you know, you need a, you need a talisman. You're going to come in and be that influential. And Sterling's been that type of guy for England. And I do think he, I, I do think he, he's alongside Kane, a world-class player. He's proven it. Um, but listen, it's open, it's open to interpretation. But he's, he, for me personally, you know, he's, he's changed my perception. Always, I've always liked Raheem Sterling as a footballer. I just thought his performances going into the tournament, you know, wasn't the best. And listen, Southgate obviously knows more than what any of us because he's got that close um, connection with, with the players and it's kudos for making that, you know, um, uh, assumption to get him included. And it's, it's paid off for, for England and, and Southgate. And, and, you know, Sterling deserves all the accolades comes in the way, regardless whether or not England uh, win it or not. So win it's been not, a good yeah. tournament. But my, my, my kind of argument to that is... He is, he has been in the right place at the right time. He scored how many goals scored in this tournament? Three. I think three goals. Yeah, I think it's three. Doesn't really matter. Three, yeah. And I'll tell you why it doesn't matter. Because I'm talking about when you're saying you go, he's he's not been the go-to man. He's been the man to be in the right place at the right time, but he's not been the go-to man. He's not. 
single-handedly dragged England through games. He's not. Like, the Germany game, he does what he does for City. He, he is that guy where he's coached. You've got pace. When you see that ball go out wide, you drive into that box and try and get to an area where you can score. And, and that's what he does. He starts to think like a striker, like that. And, and um, as I said, credit for him work hard, working hard and improving, and he has improved, and Pep has took him to a level up from what he was at Liverpool, but he's still not world-class. He's not. He cannot produce moments of world-class. He doesn't. He's very good dribbler, world-class pace, world-class pace. There's not too many that can touch him when it comes to pace. Has he got world-class dribbling? Is he a better dribbling than Morris? No. No. And, and for me, world-class comes to consistency. If you can produce consistently over two to three years, consistently, you put yourself in the bracket for world-class and Myers. And, and he, he hasn't done that. I think there's been two years. His goal tally, yes. But again, if I talk about his performances... How many performances do you really remember? Sit back and say, yeah, you know what? Raheem tore it up that day. Like where on the player ratings, you're going to give this guy nine, nearly 10 out of 10. A 10 out of 10 is hard. Bag a hat-trick or something like that. Do you know what I mean? But I, I don't see him do enough of that. I don't. And um, technically, as I said, he's just not good enough for me. He's just not good enough because world-class you have to be up there technically with very few. You know what I mean? And technically, I just don't think he's there. But we could argue about this forever. But England have one world-class player, and that's Harry Kane. I don't think he's been world-class in this tournament. His last performance against Denmark, he showed glimpses of why he can be world-class. Because he showed, I'm not just a striker. I can come deep, and I can play the most key passes in this team. But I'm also expected to score the goals. You know what I mean? And I think he showed that against Denmark. Some of the passes that he played, the, the, the equaliser came off the back of his brilliant pass. Not many other players. I don't, and, 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 and this is what I'm talking about. England have gone through this tournament without really having too much quality moments. They have. And that's the truth. Without any spectacular bits of football or whatever, decent first goal against Germany. Nice move. Um, the Sterling link up with Shaw for the for Harry Kane's mm. second against Ukraine was nice. Sterling's ball for Harry Kane against Ukraine was a nice ball, but it's just one little pass. And do you know what I mean? The finish to be on Harry Kane hits at the goalkeeper. If the goalkeeper is a bit more brave and, and, and braves himself up and puts his chest out there, I believe it hits his chest and goes out. But their their, their law of averages. When yeah. he's that close to goal, Harry Kane kind of just has to hit the target and you'll score. Um, but do you put that down to Southgate and his tactics? Because I know he likes to be quite safety safety first. Want to kind of make sure that, you know, everything's kind of like stable. And then look at the midfielders. Like you look at Rice and Phillips, who from a defensive point of view, do a good job marshalling the, the back line, making sure nothing goes through. And also England's attacking perspective is kind of stunted a little bit because he's so defensive-minded. I, I hear you, but my arguments of that will be, again, you have... Let's, go, let's, let's be honest. Going into the tournament, all right, he hasn't played some of them players like Foden enough or 
Grealish enough to, to, to Sancho enough to really say, to really see them. You know what I mean? But Sterling, Kane, and whoever he plays, Saka, and also Mount as well, Saka, Sancho, whoever he plays, there should be enough quality up there to be able to win games. It's, 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 oh, I was a bit disappointed with Mount. It's Harry Kane's role. Harry Kane has been a striker for the majority of the games, yeah? A pure striker. He's just sat up there between the two centre-backs and literally kind of done nothing, yeah? But at the same time, so when he's playing that role, he needs quality behind him to provide him. And in Mount, Sterling and Fink, they haven't had enough to provide him with chances. So whether that's got to do with the tactics, you could argue, yeah, maybe if he added another a more expressive centre midfielder, maybe. But what centre midfielder are you talking about? Because I don't know now. They've got Henderson who can play. He's got a good long-range pass of him, can play balls over the top. Harry Kane will provide probably more for, for, for Sterling or maybe Saka or something. But, yeah, nah, I I, I, I don't know. I, I just... And Shaw's also got down the left as well. Um, So, nah. I wouldn't, yeah, I, I think that number 10 role, I think it's, a, it's an issue because I think that role should be occupied by Grealish. Mount does a good job and I think the reason why Southgate has him in there, he's almost like a third central midfielder because he defensively gets back and does his job. He trusts but on him. the On the back... You trust, yeah, you trust, yeah, trust him, him along with than, other players. You trust him more than um than Grealish, and I think that's why Grealish hasn't started. He just doesn't trust him defensively. And at the end of the day, it's a tournament. I I I can bring Grealish on for half an hour, twenty minutes, and hopefully, if he's good enough, in that time, he can produce enough two or three moments to win us a match. If 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 if, if that's what we're depending on. But if I start this guy and he's not working, I might find myself 2-0 behind in the game. And yeah, you could say, oh, you should just take the risk by... um, Just take a bit more risk, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, they're in the final. So I don't think really you can have any argument with, with the team that Southgate has chose because England don't get to finals. And they're here now. So just, as I said, I, I'm the hugest fan of Southgate. But as I said, the one thing that I give him credit for is how he deals with them as people. He 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 he's brought together that group, and that, that, that that's happened since he's kind of been in charge. To be honest, he gets along with all of them. He can talk to all of them on a level, I, I guess. Um, and that's his biggest asset. And then he's said, okay, let me try and create an organized system that might not be the most expressive. But I have enough quality that I can win, that I should be able to win matches, especially in the Euros against teams. Because you saw against Czech and, and Ukraine, England had too much pace for them. And these teams aren't blessed with pace. They just don't have them players to select from. England do. So it's an advantage. And you can afford to just make yourself organised and you can still win football matches. I mean, it does lead on now to obviously what we're talking about to the preview, the the final, Italy versus England. You know, like I mentioned, England, first time in the final, Southgate's got them there. Sorry, you know, we didn't even really talk about the match too time. much. Sorry, we didn't even talk about the match too much. But, um, yeah, yeah, go on. But, yeah, I mean, 
I mean, just wrong on that point about the match, I thought for me, um, I thought it was a good performance. England were tested at times. Uh, it's good yeah, to see were, that, you know, when England were down, you know, first half, you know, they kind of, uh, you know, got themselves together, composed and able to create chances and get themselves in a position to kind of win the game. So they've been tested in that aspect. Um, I thought Kane was fantastic in terms of the way he kind of dropped deep and be able to you know, link up quite well and those balls into the box kind of causing issues for Denmark. Denmark over a period of time were tiring. They were fantastically defensively, but I think, I don't know whether or not the, the amount of games and the, the impact of everything that's going on maybe caught up with them. Yeah, emotion-wise. But, maybe, um, maybe. Emotion, but they, they, yeah. They definitely, kind of, kind of they definitely won them. the midfield battle. I think Hoiberg and... Yeah. Yeah, it's going to say it's a bias. I think he's been exceptional Delaney. in this yeah. tournament. Exceptional in this tournament. Him and Delaney together... Um, were brilliant. Again, I thought, especially first half against England, they created a dominance um, about them. Um, yeah, and I just think they kind of tired out. As I said, credit to Denmark for the tournament they've had. Mm. Credit to them, man. Um, especially with what they had to go through from the first game. They lost the first two games, remember? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've bounced back and individually, I've been impressed with a good few players who you could easily want to play. Michael, I mean, Damn scarred. Oh, Sm- uh, 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 yeah, please. Let's just quickly talk about Smart. Is he underrated? Because I seriously think this guy is. Yeah. He's brilliant, man. Yeah, I'd have him at United in a heartbeat. Nah, I'd have him in a heartbeat. Great. I think for me, tremendous. I think it's it's great leadership great, quality. Great career, man. I never the thought he'd he... have it, to be honest. When he was yeah. at Man City and I saw him on loan at, I think it was Notts County. Um, Notts County, he then he went under. to Leicester. He, he played under someone at Notts County that I think his dad used to play with us. Was it Paul? No, it wasn't Paul Lynch. I can't remember. Um, but anyway, no. yeah, I remember he went from there. I'm, I'm sure it was Notts County. He went from there and, yeah, man, the guys won the FA Cup and nearly got to the Euros final with, with a team that was underdogs. Um, so, yeah, um, I think he's brilliant, man. Not the career that his dad's had, but I, I think he could have moved to Man United. I think we could have let the hair go and took him. I, I thought at one point that was actually going to happen. Um, obviously, it's a different Man United when you're not winning Champions Leagues and, and league titles and stuff, but mm. you never know, man. You never know. He could have helped you do that, maybe. But yeah, as I said, I, He's, uh, he's, he's, he's at the prime now of his his career. Now this this tournament hasn't done him any has done him a lot of favors. So I think there'll be a lot of interest in him. And he's he's listen. He's he's boosted his profile. I mean, I've, his leadership qualities for me are fantastic. In the games, he's the type of goalkeeper you want in big games. And you know, he's made some impressive saves, like the penalty save from Kane. It's just his mentality. And I think I don't know whether or not he's got that from his father. But big games, this is what Schmeichel does. And, you know, he's won the Premier League with Leicester, FA Cup this season. And look, almost got Denmark to the final. So, listen, I think Casper's done well. He's done well in terms of... Uh, and I want to give a shout-out as well to uh, uh, the, uh, the defender as well. Um, is it Kea? Uh, Kea? Yeah. He's had a good... Yeah, yeah, he's had a good That's tournament. Yeah, a bit, a bit unfortunate for the goal. And Christiansen as well. I think I don't know where. I mean, this season I know he was been. I don't know whether he was been put in the Asgards by Lampard, but I know Tuchel's brought him out from, from back from the dead, and, and you know he's been fantastic for Chelsea. But he's been brilliant for, from start to finish in this tournament. 
for Denmark. And um, I think yeah, Chelsea's yeah. got a good player, good defender there. He's had a brilliant tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, but mo- moving on to the um, the preview of the final between Italy and England. As I mentioned, England are going to be in the final for the first time since 1966. Have they got an opportunity? Is it at, you know? Is it finally going to happen where England are going to go one step further and, and win something? Do you, well, do you feel, that's, one, do you feel that you know with the, the team that they have? They've got one step further for being in the final. To be honest, um, but yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for them for this final, I think, is home advantage. I think home advantage will be will be key. To be honest, mentally, I don't think the Italians will crumble, but you never know. You never, never know. I would not be surprised if home advantage early England got an early goal and they ended up beating them like comfortably. I, I would. It wouldn't surprise me if that happened. I don't think that will happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. But um, yeah, they've got a chance, man. They've got a chance because they've got maybe the paces team in in, in the Euros. Um, and as I said, my one worry about Italy is at the back with pace. Um, I think the key battle, usually I would say midfield, but I do think it's the fullbacks. I, I think it's Italy's fullbacks, up in particular Sterling up against his man. Sterling and Shaw down that left hand side. Um, Mr. Lorenzo, I think that could be an issue for Italy. Um, I've, he's on his job. He's aggressive, but I, I, I think that could be the the, the point where England could get in. Um, other than that, the worry for England, me is midfield. Yeah. Um, I saw enough in that Denmark game, and especially in that first half, the way Denmark played. It's a different match. You never know. England could have learned from certain things or whatever. But I'm very impressed with Jorginho, Barella, and Baratti as a combination, as long as they sit on the pitch. The same kind of issues with. Um, Oh, no, not the same issue. Sorry. I, I said it earlier about Italy that they make a lot of changes. Like Verratti always comes off after an hour. I know he's a guy who's throughout his whole career has had injury issues. So I guess that's probably why. But it's a final now. They've got nothing to lose. So them guys can stay on for a bit longer. Um, and as long as the game is nil-nil going into that second half, then I think that's where Italy will feel that they could they could have something there, but um, yeah, I, I I would worry about as impressed as I've been with Phillips and Bryce at times. There's times where they've looked a bit shaky, as I said that Denmark game up out of Delaney and Hoiberg dominated, especially in that first half. Um, and I think if Barella, Verratti, and Jorginho dominate that area, I think that could be a problem for England. Um, yeah, I think I agree. The, the 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 talking about the player tournament. I'm um, not player tournament. The England's individually. England. We'll talk about it, England and Italy. I want to ask you this: England, Italy's kind of players that are up there for player of the tournament. And maybe top three. As I said, for England, for me, it's it's Sterling Walker. And at this point, I'd probably edge Maguire ahead of. Um, Kane, who's starting to come up now. I know people say Saka, and I think Saka's done well. I just think Carry Kane's two goals against Ukraine and the way he played against Denmark, 
I don't think Saka had a great game. I know people say he made the assist, but mm. the key pass come from Kane. You know what I mean? Kane. Um, but yeah, Carl Walker, special mention, man. I think he's been brilliant. His pace has saved John Stones' ass a couple of times. Um, yeah. he's, we know he's ridiculously quick. Um, probably the quickest player out there. Um, but also mentally. I know he made an error against Ukraine, which England should have been punished from, to be honest, the striker fluffed. Um, but they survived that moment at the end of the day, Riverside relief or whatever. I, I think Carl Walker's been immense. And um, as I said, if, if Sterling wasn't to win fair the tournament, um, for England, sorry, I think Walker or Maguire would be a shot. What about you? Um, you know, look, I think Sterling is, is up there. I've been impressed with Walker. But I think my top three would be, you know, Sterling, Maguire, and um, I think Shaw. I know it has a bit of a Man United twin, uh, connection to it, but I think we have to underline how important Maguire is at the back. He's so commanding. He's positional. Positional play for, for England is fantastic. It's a comeback and be able to solidify the defence and it's, you know, be able to, get, to distribute the ball out I think he's been fantastic. Um, Luke Shaw, for me, I didn't think... I, all, all throughout this tournament, he's been very consistent. He's starting to bomb forward a little bit. He's creating assists. Yeah, he's always looking to kind of... He's getting more confident game by game. And I think his influence down that left-hand side, he's got that connection with Raheem Brilliant. down that left-hand side. It's working. As a, it's working. And it, it seems it will continue to work. Being fantastic. Um, and but Raheem, for me, I just like I said, he, he's proved me wrong. I didn't expect him to have this much of an impact based on the season that he's had. It's just constantly running, you know, from minute one, constantly trying to get behind the defenders, trying to make something happen. Uh, but you know, I think with the, with, the, with our squad, uh, looking at the, it, the game against Italy is going to be difficult because the way I base that game against Denmark is that Denmark really, from the midfield perspective, dominated the game, and I worry with. Rice and Phillips, were, despite having a brilliant tournament, I feel that that midfield, have they got enough quality to withstand Jorginho, Barella uh, and um, Verratti? I think they just had a lot more industry from Italy in that particular position could overwhelm yeah. England and, yeah, and that, cause, cause some problems because that's the key thing. But I, I also worry as well, the, I think the one key thing for England, which is the advantage is that I think on the wing, I think we shouldn't play Saka. I think Saka's been okay this tournament, but I'd rather have someone who's a bit more natural down the right-hand side, Sancho. maybe a Sancho, yeah, a Sancho down the right-hand side to, to really attack that the wing-backs and really hurt that defence because I feel, despite how solid Italy are, I mean, father time's coming. You know, Cialini, Bellucci, you know, they're not getting any younger. This is a golden opportunity for England to really use that youthful exuberance and get behind that defence and cause them nightmares. And as the game goes on, if it stays nil-nil and it does go into extra time or it goes in that period, that's where I feel England are going to win it. Italy are going to try get goals as soon as possible because they know with, with the, the, their first team and the squad, they don't have a strong enough squad to withstand England because England have the ability with Southgate to bring on players that can da damage and hurt them later, later if it gets down to extra time. And I think that's what Mancini's probably worried about, in my opinion, that he wants to end this game early, get a couple of goals, dishearten England, 
and you know make it as easy as possible. But Southgate would want to look down the long the long term path is keep it nil nil as long as possible. When we have the opportunities, take those opportunities, and if it if it means going down extra extra time, then hit him hit him on that that way. But it's going to be very difficult for England to kind of keep off Jorginho, Barella, and also Chiesa as well, who's going to be able, he's going to have a lot of space, pockets of space to do what he does and damage that England back line. So it's going to be interesting to see how Southgate kind of sets up. But I think he's going to mirror Mancini like he's done with the other games, like Germany, where he mirrored um, Germany's um, formation. So what about um, Italy? Who you, who would be their standout guys? For this tournament, I, I think it's Chiesa, Jorginho, and um, I think you know Barella have been very sorry, um, Baratti have been very impressed with his temperament. You know, normally he normally doesn't have the best of temperaments. He normally can get fly off the handle, and he is injury prone. But he's been he very consistent PSG, this tournament though. when he's played. Yeah, that's a PSG thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean to lose their yeah. heads. No. <laughs> So he's been kind of, he's been cool. Mancini's kind of told him, you know, cool, calm and collected. But I think he's reassured with playing with someone like Jorginho, who's been able to take that midfield, being able to kind of just being the go-to guy in terms of allowing Chiesa to do what he needs to do further forward, being able to tick quite well and manage that midfield quite well. And I think that's, that's where I think they've flourished, Italy, being able to kind of be compact and tight and in, in small, in, 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 um, small spaces, being able to kind of pass the ball, move, pass and move and be quite attacking when they get in that position, especially on the counter-attack. But Chiesa, for me, this tournament has really exploded onto the scene. And I, I think I was impressed with Spinazzola, but obviously he's injured. But I think Chiesa, this tournament, the goals that he scored, the impact that he has on his team, I think is fantastic. You've almost seen a different dimension to Italy because normally Italy are quite conservative. They're not normally known to be explosive, but... With the players that they have in their team, they're, they're a bit more explosive, a bit more dynamic, and a bit more attacking, which yeah, is yeah, which yeah. is kind of boding well for them this tournament. Yeah, so it's to nice it. to see a different perspective to Italy. Yeah, credit credit to man seeing what he's done there. You know what I mean? He's, he's used them players and brought the best out of them. And if he's what he's looked at is, is the Italian passion. He's used the Italian passion mm. in 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 a more forceful way. You know what I mean? Instead of yeah. 90 minutes our focus is on loving to be defensive let's love to win the ball and, and, and get at teams and, and I think that's 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 been a, a clever thing which Mancini's done um, Insignia I think has had a good solid tournament Chase has come in Chase has come in and been brilliant the combination of as we, as I spoke about Barella Baratti and Jorginho in particular has been exceptional um, they did get for me beaten in the field especially that first half um, by Spain and then later on in the game I think by Spain once they made the subs them three did get beaten by um, Busquets Koke and, and Pedri I, I, do, I do believe that but um, they, they were a great combination and maybe they would have learned from that Spain game and approach this mm. a little more different this this match here. Obviously, England, to be honest, don't have the quality in centre midfield which Spain have on the ball. I don't think anyone does, especially with Bug- no. Busquets. Um, and Pedri has been so impressive. But yeah, and then the two centre backs, the two centre backs and the goalkeeper, another one. 
is because I think this was his time to shine. You know what I mean? I mean, he's got his big move now to PSG. Not like Milan is a shit club, but to be honest, AC have been like, ask you who's grown up in the last 10 years who are AC Milan and say who? You know what I mean? From the AC Milan that we know growing yeah. up, they're not that yeah. anymore. And I yeah. think this is his time now. He'll be in big matches, noticeable matches, sorry, noticeable matches with PSG now in the Champions League going forward. So I think it's his chance to really put himself up there in the world. Um, I think in this in this tournament, when you talk about goal, when we spoke about world class, I think he's shown that he he's on the tip of that. And now it's about his consistency, what he can do for PSG going forward. I think if he has a wonderful season for PSG and we know the business that they've done and we need to have a headlines um, episode to talk about all the stuff that's gone on with transfers yeah. and stuff. PSG have, have really seemed like they're going to go for it this year. Um, and yeah, I expect a big season from Don Ruma. Um, so him behind them two centre-backs. It's, it's a great foundation. It's a great core that they've got. Um, Immobile can blow hot and cold. I've been impressed with his link-up play, though. He's done some lovely link-up play with Insignia in particular. Like some of the little touches that they've done between them has been brilliant. But it should be a fantastic game. Game of the tournament, for me, has been... I, I think Italy, so. Spain. I, I was just fascinated with the football that was being played. I just thought... I know it was 1-1, and people say, oh, what about the 3-3 with the France, and what about the 4-2 to Germany-Portugal? But... I, I, I think for the level of quality that them yeah. showed in that match, uh, it was exceptional to watch. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, look, man, good good luck to England. It will be historic if they win. It will be a. As I said, I'm not an England fan. I'm not. I, when they score, I don't have the urge to jump up and down, do backflips on that. Not like. I do with Spurs, you know what I mean? Spurs, I could cry for them, you know what I mean? That's my team. But England, I just don't have that feeling, so I'd be lying to say that is that feeling. But I, I, I would like, I, I would be happy if, um, if I saw Kane winning it and lifting that trophy. I'll be happy for that group of players more than, uh, not really the fans, and I think me and you know why anyway, the fans. Yeah. I, I, ain't, I ain't down with the fans really, but I think they're, they're wankers. But, um, one thing I do hope, getting onto politics or whatever, but to be honest, fuck what people think, fuck what people say, because it's yeah. real, man. It's real. At the end of yeah. the day, when you're a minority, it's, 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 it's what you look at, innit? You want to see other minorities strive and not be ridiculed and put down. And the one thing I, I'm glad for Sterling, that he hasn't fucked up in this tournament, trust me, because nah. there was about <laughs> two, three moments against Denmark when he missed that chance where he should have scored. He yeah. blasted straight at the goalkeeper. And he does something else, which was shit. And you could just imagine if England went out, the abuse that this guy was going to get. And I'm not just talking abuse, I'm mm. talking racial abuse. You know what I mean? So let's not go into a ham. You can if you want. Yeah. But I hope that for this historic moment, if England do win it, it's Raheem Sterner and a black man that wins it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, like looking at it, it's, just, it's a shame that, for all of Raheem's efforts that it's not being acknowledged because, you know, he's had trials and tribulations, you know, for a long period of time. And you think now we're in a tournament where, you know, he's had an influence. You would have thought he would have been appreciated by the own England fans and the media. And I think primarily, you know, the, the media should really 
stop this agenda, this narrative that Raheem was a bad guy. You know, Raheem, yeah, he might not have been born uh, English. He came to the came over when he was five, but he's just as English as anyone else. His performances, he puts in 110% for the country. And everyone needs to get behind him and needs to put some respect on his name because for far too long, too long that the British media, the fans have been racially ridiculing this guy, not only Sterling, other other players, and we should be getting behind these players because potentially Raheem Sterling and all the other ethnic minority players in the England team and all the other players could win the Euros, could do something that other players before them haven't done. And this is a time in the period where after, you know, everyone being locked down for 18 months or so, it's, a, it's an opportunity as a country to come and unite and get together and hope that we can win a competition that we've never, never been in any situation to win since 1966. No, 100%. And it's time for the... 100%. It's far it's, too it's, long, man. It's, 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 it can be a historic moment. England actually winning a trophy, you know what I mean? Like, and as yeah. I said, like, <laughs> I, I, the reason why I want Raheem to win it as well is because going forward, this might help people, man. People that do, but they say they're uneducated. It's not nothing too uneducated, man. And it's mm. not getting all too political and shit, but it's got nothing to do with uneducated. It's just ignorance or whatever you want to call it. And it just, it's just jobs. They're just scum. You know what I mean? And I think it, in the history books, yeah, because we know a lot of history has been altered. You can't alter this. Raheem Sterling mm. scores, you can't alter that. If he scores the only goal of the game and wins England, you can't alter that. He, you have to show him scoring that goal. Throughout the future now, that will be it. It will be Raheem Sterling hitting the back of the net for England, a black dude. You know what I mean? So, hopefully, on the positive side of it, hopefully that makes people that are ignorant and whatever start to say, you know what, and it's silly because it shouldn't have to come down to fucking football, you know what I mean? But let's just hope. Last point on it because let's not go into some random politics. I just want to. I just want to say one thing on it. Yeah. One thing on it. I want to. This is where I want to give props to Southgate. The way he's handled this type of situation because it has been a a constant issue. But you know, the 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 squad, you know, is primarily you know a mixed squad. We've got white and mixed race and black players in there. And I think the way the unity that Southgate has, has kind of brought amongst the players and the players that have got the camaraderie between themselves, you know, it's not just about uh, skin colour. It's about, it's about one team, about that one, that, that ethic there, that, you know, everyone's there for each other. It's kind of yeah. a community spirit. And that's I think that's, I like that's the, the most though. important thing you should take out. That's what I like about yeah. the group. It's a nice, a nice blend of they, players. They've got humbleness and they've got normalness about them. And obviously, they're growing up in a different generation as well. You know what I mean? It's a lot more mixed and a lot more. If you're from London, you're good, and you're a white dude, you're gonna have you're gonna know a lot of black people and whatever. So they're growing up with each other as in the youth teams. Like, look at Tottenham. Like Harry yeah. Kane must have grown up in a team eighty yeah. percent full of black dudes. You know what I mean? So yeah, like they they ain't got that issue. As I said, my issue is not the players. My issue is the fans. That's my issue. Yeah. You know, and, and you can say the media as well, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's that's why it's hard to get behind, to be honest. And, and that's the truth. But as I said, if they win it and deserve to win it, fair do so. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but moving on, we're going to look at the, um, the Ballon d'Or. You know, who should be considered um, on, a, you know, on a list to really be 
to win it. I mean, this year's been up and down in terms of potentially who could win it. I mean, Messi might have an opportunity to win it. I know Lewandowski's been thrown around. There might be a few surprises in maybe Harry Kane. Um, for me personally, looking at it, um, if Messi wins the Copa America with Argentina, I think it's a foregone conclusion. Um, but if he doesn't, if he doesn't win it, you know, there's a possibility that others can be considered. Uh, Lewandowski's had a brilliant season at Bayern Munich as as per. But you know, listen, maybe Harry Kane. Maybe Harry Kane. I know he hasn't done much for Tottenham, but he was good top whoa, goal scorer whoa, in the Premier whoa, League, whoa, top assist. There you go. They, this is not an award because he plays for Tottenham. It's not an award because he plays for a club. It's an award, an individual award. And you talk about his goals. He's, he's got the golden boot. He's got the most... And listen, I'm not saying he should win it. All I'm trying to argue is that forget that he plays for little old Tottenham, yeah, because that's what everyone wants to say. Oh, good Tottenham player win it. I'm just saying for what he has personally done. I was like, I don't think a player should win it if you're not playing in the top competitions. So if you're not playing in, you're not up there in your league, yeah, you're you're <clears throat> you're not in the Champions League, and you're obviously not playing at international level, yeah, then then you shouldn't be able to win it. Yeah, them things you have to tick. And he doesn't tick all the boxes, yeah? The one box he doesn't tick is, all right, Premier League, you finished with seventh with Tottenham, so it's not a great finish. But mm. he won the Golden Boot, and he won the most assists as well. We're not just talking about Golden Boot, most assists as well. That doesn't really happen. I think Thierry Henry is the only player to do it. Mm. So let's give him credit for that. I don't think he can win it now because I just... I thought he was good against Denmark and... Rating out of 10, you would probably give him like a seven and a half or something. Um, probably maybe would have given him eight if he actually took the penalty, but he missed it and then scored a rebound. But he showed glimpses of why he's a world class player in that game. He played some fantastic balls that, as I said, other players ain't playing in that team, they haven't been doing in that team. The ball that he played for Sterling with Sterling, it was just a little too far for him to stretch onto. Crazy ball. No other players playing that ball. The ball he played for Saka. Brilliant ball. I had a knee, slid through, perfect timing. Brilliant. Great mm. run as well. You know what I mean? But as I said, I'm not saying he should win it. I'm just saying, what if he wins the Euros? And let's just say he bags one or two against Italy and he plays fantastic. As I said, I think now because of Denmark, if he, it wasn't a world, world-class performance like that. It wasn't an eight or nine. I think he needs to get a nine out of ten in that game. And realistically, you can't say he did. Um... Yeah, he had a great group stage. The knockout stage where it really counts. He's playing a bit better. But um, yeah, just quickly, um, obviously Messi is favorite, and he should be because of his goals. It's an individual award, his stats are stupid. And if he he obviously he hasn't had a great season with Barcelona, where Barcelona haven't really won anything, they should kind of be up there to win the league. They didn't win it. Historically, you would say they should be up there to do Sat in the Champions League, didn't do it. But if he wins the Copa America and they're playing Brazil in the final and he goes and has a brilliant game, he should win it. Fair dues. We were speaking before going into this tournament. I thought if France got to the final or semis, I thought Kante could have won it. I just think France, I don't know what you feel. I just think France's early exit kind of rules that out, especially if they lost to Switzerland. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that kind of. That kind of ruined it for 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 Kante because obviously you know he, he was brilliant in the Champions League for Chelsea. 
you know, from the minute, you know, from minute one. And I, I think that, you know, the early exit where, you know, France was supposed to be favourites to win the Euros, got a bit complacent against Switzerland, kind of done it for Kante. But just br- bringing you back on that, you know, Harry Kane point, I feel like, yeah, I know, obviously him, shouldn't matter what team he plays for, but I know he hasn't had the best of tournaments, but he's still been able to score the goals. And I think the historical, the, histor- the historics the about boot, him yeah. potentially, can still win the golden boot, but if, if he does score a couple of goals or England do end up winning it, you know, I think the historical, you know, the, the historics around it, the fact that, you know, he's been a part of a team that have not won anything and end up winning something, you know, at home could potentially sway some people to think that he might he might do it. I'm not saying he will, but I think he does have an argument in that aspect to being a part of a team that's done something that you know yeah, that for a long period of time. I know it's not all yeah, about no, the teams, the individual. He can be the only English player that could be up for it in the final. Let's be honest, out of the two teams in the final, he's the only player mm. that could be up for it. He is. He's called. He's got, as I said, he's got his golden boot. He's got his assists and. He could still win the golden boot for this, isn't it? Yeah. Or be level even if he scores one. Be level on, yeah. So and and what's he scored? One penalty? I know Schick scored none. So Schick yeah. really should win the golden boot. But I'm hearing that. Ronaldo, Ronaldo gets, Ronaldo's got five. Ronaldo's yeah, got why five. Is he as well. The guy scored like four penalties or something. Goals the goals, isn't it? Ronaldo's Ronaldo, that's why. But listen, I'm not hating Ronaldo anyway, but yeah. I don't know. It will probably, as I said, it will probably be Messi. And I wouldn't have any arguments if Lionel Messi won it. Because you can't really argue when the guy's got the, the amount of goals that he's got. Like, let me just check it. What is it saying? And this is just for Barcelona. 38 goals in 47 games. 14 assists. And then I think he scored another four goals in the, in the Copa America. You know what I mean? So, out of six games. So, yeah, the, the guy's the best player to win some, in history, isn't it? And to win something for Argentina, that's always been eluded him. Because, obviously, for Barcelona, he's he's been there, done that. He's won the La Liga, Champions yeah, League yeah, yeah. multiple times. To win something with Argentina was very similar to when Ronaldo, you know, he's done all of those things. But to win something with Portugal, the Euros... That's obviously going to tip in his favour, that, that the feather in his cap and the one missing thing, you know, he has done. Um, quickly, so if he does just, win it, just quickly, sorry, just say one name to um, if you had to say because forget the final, it shouldn't really matter about the final. Who's your player of the tournament for um, the Euros? It's got to be Chiesa. Been impressed with him. He's just been a breath of fresh air. He's offered something different to Italy. Um, just been impressed with his attacking uh, mentality and uh, the influence he's had on the game, the games for Italy. And he scored some fantastic goals. So. That's 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 my man, man of the tournament. But I shouldn't have said <laughs> it doesn't matter who wins it because I think it does. I think if England win it, I think Sterling's gonna win it. Um, unless Harry Kane scores in the final, tears the final up or something like that, does something unbelievable. Then I think Sterling will win it if England win it. But if Italy win it, I think mm. it'll be Jorginho. Um, we've gone and hour and 10 minutes um you think we've got time to quickly talk the ufc tonight yeah for rem yeah you know you could lead this one got a bit of time to discuss the um the trilogy dustin poirier conor mcgregor 
this Let me evening. Just get the card up so I can talk through the card because it's, it's a good one. But um, yeah, yeah, go on. Continue saying what you say. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it's a, it's a trilogy. You know, it's one-one. You know, I think Poirier was impressive in the last one, kind of dismantles him. You know, McGregor says, you know, he's going to come back with a vengeance. It's a quite of a loaded um, card in there. Some brilliant bouts. Obviously, we mentioned Dustin Poirier against uh, Conor McGregor. And um, we've also got, you know, Sean, uh, Sean um, hold on, uh, got Gilbert Burns against Wonderboy. We've got Ty Tavassia against uh, Greg Hardy. And Aldana against, yeah, yeah. You might you might be better with the pronunciation pronunciations <laughs> of these some of these. Actually, that that Russian bird as well is <laughs> getting a bit peak from me. Yeah, I can't just lie. Call Yana, just call her Yana. Yana, yeah, okay, yeah. Yana, yeah. No disrespect, Yana. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, Sean O'Malley could be uh, against Chris Martino. It's gonna be a fun, friendly fight. Gonna be entertaining all action in the bantamweight division. Obviously, the main the main crust of this fight here, Connor versus Dustin. Mm. For me personally, I think I think Connor's on the way out. I think I don't know whether or not he has enough in him to avenge the, the defeat. And for Dustin Poirier, you know, I I believe you know he's he'll get it done in the, in a couple of rounds and move on and be in the position to get the, the contendership for the light lightweight belt. Uh, with Oliveira, so it's, it's, it's. I don't think for me, Connor has it has it in himself to kind of win this fight. I think you know the Connor of old potentially, but you know this is a different Connor now. He's been beaten too much. It's you know I think he's outgrown MMA. I think his mindset's in the boxing side of things, the money side. But it's all business of Poirier. I expect a victory from him. I know Rem, you 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 have an interesting insight into this this fight. Yeah. Um, whoever wins is going to fight Charles Oliveira for, for the belt. Um, but when you're saying, Connor, what do you say, Connor's different? Yeah, when I mean different, I mean he's, he's yeah, you're saying a shell of his changed. old self. Yeah, he's a different, yeah, yeah. Yeah. To be honest, what it is and why Poirier is beat him last time is that Poirier's changed as well. As much as Connor's changed, Connor's gone one way, became a superstar, got all the money. Dustin was still grinding, man. Dustin was still grinding to, to, to get his goals. And you can kind of say Connor was, you can't say given because he, he earned it in, in, in who he beat, but his road was very, you know what I mean? Pre- present, things were presented to him. Where Dustin had to hustle, man. Um, and he's a changed man. And then that first fight, he got in Dustin's head. Dustin hated him. He said it. I hate this guy. I've never hated no one anymore. More. And then Connor knocked him out. Um, like Connor does with other guys. He's done it with Jose Aldo. He gets in your head, gets you angry, and puts you off your game. And you go in there with nervous energy and, and uh, or angry energy, and, and, and the guy just focuses on his job and, and beats you. You know, you, you saw when, when he fought Habib, he, he told you what, what this is. You know, he exposed it. If he was questioning, oh, he's just a wanker. He just does this. No, he does. He, this is his tactic. This is all part of his his game plan to get in your head and put you off your game. It just didn't work against Habib. It did work because Habib came and said that, you know, I, I didn't fight smart, but Habib still beat him. 
which is too good. And and um, Dustin in the rematch, listen, people are gonna say leg kicks. The leg kicks, listen, had an impact, obviously. The takedown just, I think, almost made Connor panic a bit. It kind of made him rush his work. And um, when he got back up, he was like, he had a time limit on his hands. And to be honest, he kind of does because Connor is an elite, an elite, not a world class, elite. So that's beyond world class. He's an elite striker, mm. but only for a round and a half, seven minutes of a fight. He is the top, top level as you can get in striking. But after that, the levels start to drop. And if you start to bring him to the third and fourth, he's, he's still going down. And um, that that's his, that's again, that's, it's not a secret. It's not, everybody says it. It's so obvious. That's how he wins his fight. He wins his fight in a round. Earlier in the week, I was convinced that Connor was going to beat him in the first round. Um, but now I'm getting closer to the fight. I'm not sure if he's going to beat him. Man. I just see a relaxedness about Poirier. And that press conference for me just... Listen, Connor will always be a star. Connor will always be a star because he has die-hard fans that are fanatics. They are. They're delusional and they're fanatics. Mm. They don't see what's happening in front of their face. They just love him. And he's entertaining. And I get it. To a degree, I get it. But this is the fight business. And you have to win fights, isn't it? But as I said, when you're a superstar, like, he's constantly going to get fights. But so if he loses this, doesn't mean it means no title, basically. Um, but it doesn't mean the end of Conor McGregor. He will fight mm. if he wants to fight. Does it mean he'll quit? Maybe I, I don't think he will, but um, yeah, I, I just think, yeah, he, he might be like, My back's up against the wall here, and let me try everything. And he tried everything. Listen, he had reason to be angry with Poirier because Poirier came out and said about him not giving the money and stuff. And then Poirier, so they were both mm. kind of correct in a way because Connor's saying, I'm not just giving you bags of dough. Because obviously they agreed in the first fight. Connor said that I'll, I'll give money towards your charity and whatever. And Connor didn't give it after the fight that he ignored emails and stuff. But his people were saying, listen, like, we don't even know where this is going legitly. Like, do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Mm. So who was wrong? I, I don't really know how that works, to be honest, all like that. But obviously, if a guy's giving bare money, he's going to want to know where it's going. You know what I mean? So, he was angry at that. It's a lot of money, he's isn't it? Huh? It's a lot of money. I mean, half a million. You, yeah, it's a you lot. Know, you want to know so, where every penny... Yeah, exactly. I know I would want to. Exactly, exactly. So, at the end of the day, he said, um, Dustin's going to pay for that. And I, I just... I, I just don't know. It's such a tough fight to call because you can see Connor's at the end of the day, his back should be up against the wall. And this could be his last chance to kind of get back in the title picture. Maybe won't because he's Conor McGregor, so they'll gift him title shots whenever. But realistically, it kind of should be. If he loses this, that's that's what one win out of three on the battle, four fights at lightweight or something like that. Something yeah, stupid like that. So yeah, it's not a good look. It's, it's it's a terrible look to be honest. And 
And what if he loses this? What does he do? Go and fight Justin Gaethje and then get possibly get destroyed in that as well. And then what happens? You know what I mean? Then it just falls apart. So yeah. if he loses, fight Nate Diaz and then decide if you still want to do it, I guess. Um, mm. But Dustin Poirier took this fight. He could have had the title shot, but he took this fight to make money and, and, and back himself. You know what I mean? He backed himself and said that I know I'm going to win anyway, so I'm going to win and I'm going to get my title anyway. So fair news to Dustin. Can't wait for it. It's, it's always a nervous fight when it's Connor because, as I said, I loved the sport. You know what I mean? I always watch it. I watch it every weekend. It doesn't matter who's on the card. I watch it. Um, I'm a big fan. I have been for years. But Connor's fights... Because the way that he starts, he's so explosive at the start. That's what gets you even more nervous when you're watching that fight because you know something crazy could happen in the first minute where you could see an early knockout. Mm. Like it's a heavyweight fight almost. You know, like, like Francis Ngannou's fighting. You know what I mean? That's, that's kind of... It's crazy, yeah. but that's the kind of vibe kind of gets gives off you. But um, I, I'm a big fan of Dustin, man. As I said, I was a big fan of Conor. I've got Irish in me as well, so... I was backing him, he came with this attitude and, and I liked it. And then it was Jose, I was a big fan of Jose Aldo, man. And I just thought, the way he went on with Aldo, look, respect to him, he'd done the work, he'd done the job, knocked him out, innit? But it's the way that he, he was, I, I just didn't really respect, I just don't really rate man like that, that move like that too much. And I thought he, he went a bit too far. And then obviously Habib, it then went ridiculous. And by then I was off the kind of train. Still a fan of his skills, but mm. if he's fighting someone that you question I, him as I, a, I respect as, as, as... a bit more that I like, then then I prefer him to lose. So, and I like Dustin. I respect Dustin uh, as a guy. Like, so I hope Dustin wins. Um, but I hope it's a good fight, man. Um, if I had to pick one, I was actually going to put a bet on it, but this was just because the odds were the only good odds. And I just got a sneaky feeling, I believe, he said it a couple of times, and I think he actually might do it, especially if it goes to, like, four rounds. He can make Connor panic and get the sub. So it's a bit crazy shout, but I'm going to say Dustin wins by sub. Um, do you want to go through a couple of the other fights? I'll just talk you through the other fights so you know yourself in it, if you want to look out for it. Yeah. Um, the one that intrigues me is this Gilbert Burns, Burns and yeah, and yeah. Wonderboy. Yeah. Styles, man. Styles. <laughs> Thomas is the karate guy, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Good Burns, Good Burns is knockout power, but you don't want... People say he's the best jiu-jitsu guy in the UFC, so you don't want to go to the ground with him because you're going to lose. So it's interesting, man. It's an interesting fact because Thompson, if he wins this... And he, he, he's, he puts on a world-class performance like he does without maybe getting a knockout or anything. He can put on world-class performances without getting knockouts. I would like to see him fight. Usman, I just think it'd be kind of fascinating to watch. Like, does he deserve it over other people? Maybe uh, not, but he's the only I one. I think if he wins... Uh, yeah, I, I think if he wins this fight, I think he should fight Edwards. Because I think with the be way... I want to see Edwards fight Masvidal. I would like to see Stephen fight Colby. And literally let Usman pick who he wants to fight at this point. 
Like if he wants to pick Kiesar or or um the winner Kiesa and Luke, let him pick them, man. I, I think he's got that unresolved um business of Covenant. I think so, it makes sense naturally uh, Usman to fight to fight Covenant. I think to speak Covenant and then I, I don't know. I think I think that this fight uh, is an intriguing fight. I don't think the winner of this fight deserves a, a title shot. I do think there should be another. I think Leon Edwards after the potentially Covington Usman should be next in line. But I think the winner of this fight, fight should fight uh, Edwards. Huh? Edwards has to fight again now. So you think he should fight the winner of this? Yeah, hundred percent. I think okay. Edwards needs that experience. Um, I, I I do favor Gilbert Burns in this fight. He needs to um, be a top contender, right? Yeah, I don't think he's he beaten a he top hasn't. contender. That's the truth. He hasn't beaten a top. And I think if he if he if he beats a top contender, then he's worthy of a title shot. I know he's put on a, a string of successive wins, but you know if he beats a Gilbert Burns or a, or a Wonder Boy, I think a lot of people will be looking at him. Yeah, say 100% he deserves a a title shot. So I think he'd have close eyes on this. But I do favour Gilbert Burns on this one. You do? Yeah, just just favouring um, over Wonder Boy. I just think I, I, I just think he hasn't got that miles on the clock. I think Wonder Boy has a lot of miles on the clock. He is fair, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, but he I hasn't think, taken too uh, much damage. Gilbert though, Burns no? a bit more fresh. Yeah, I know, but I think I, even though he's active, I just don't. I think Gilbert Burns is a bit more active and a bit more. I think, like you mentioned, hungry. I think at the ground and pound. If he gets him more hungry, and I think he wants to avenge that loss to Usman because um, he was systematically dominated. I'm not he being biased, run. obviously. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be shocked but... if Gilbert won, to be honest. I could see Gilbert getting a late knockout. I know people say early, but for some reason, I think he could sneak something in late. I know once Wonderboy gets into a rhythm, it can kind of, but Till caught him late on. Woodley caught him like halfway through their fight. So I wouldn't be surprised if it got to like the third round and, and, and early in the third round, Gilbert managed to catch him with something. I wouldn't be surprised. And then where it went from there, I'm not I sure. think Wonderboy will take pick, it the distance. Yeah, Wonderboy usually does. I, I I don't think he'll knock out Gilbert. He can, of course he can, but he's a point striker and I, I would pick um, Thompson by decision if I had to pick. Um, Ty, just the just one, quickly, the other, to say, yeah. say the other fights. Um, it's tied to a bus versus Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy used to be an NFL player. Um, he won yeah. some controversy because he beat up his girl. Um, Ty Duavasa is like a road Australian dude. Like, he just comes like a street fighter. It's a good fighter though. I like, I like Ty. Um, Arena Aldana is very good. Very good fighter. She lost last time out to it was Holly Holmes. Um, Arena yeah. didn't actually make weight for this. So that's why I'm a bit sceptical what, what will actually happen in that. Because um, if she did make weight, I would have backed her 100%. But because she didn't make weight and she missed by quite a few pounds as well. I'm not sure. The O'Malley, if you can see, the odds are absolutely stupid because Chris Moutinho mm. is like a late replacement. He's a late, late replacement. This is, this is his debut in the UFC. He's nine and four and O'Malley is meant to be the next superstar. So I expect O'Malley to take him out whenever he wants. If he wants to do it the first run, I think he can. Second, but you never know, man. You never know. It's MMA, anything can kind of happen. So, and then the rest of the card, the prelims, yeah. Carlos Condit, veteran, love Carlos Condit, man. Big fan of Carlos Condit. Um, obviously, he's aging, he's fighting Max Griffin. Um, 
I think the fight of the night is between Nico Price and Michelle Pereira. Nico Price is just nuts. He's crazy. He just in your face, just fighting, just swinging. And Pereira is a madman. He does backflips in the ring. He's known for doing that. He's he's crazy. He throw some capoeira at certain times, but he is massive for world weight, and he's got some power, man. If he's serious, I, I think he'll beat Nico Price. But it just depends what Pereira turns up. To be honest, per, but as I said, Price is a good fighter. I'm just quickly um and the last one, Ryan Hall, who hasn't fought for ages. Are they saying he's on? Wow, he's underdog. Um, he's fighting. I don't know how to pronounce the name. Tuberia. I've seen Tuberia's last fight. Um, kind of decent, still on the ground. Um, but Ryan Hall is like a magician in jiu-jitsu. He's a karate kind of fighter, standing up as well. I'm just kind of. I haven't seen too much of Ryan Hall to be honest. He hasn't fought for so many years. Um, well. I don't even know if he's years now, but he's pulled out of a hell of a lot of fights, so it'll be good to see him again. But um, yeah, that's it really on the UFC. So, David, forget to watch it. Um, watch it. Yeah. I've ordered it already, but um, yeah, that's 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 it, man, for me. Yeah, just want to say thank you, Rem, for another packed episode on the Warm Down podcast. Um, we'll be back soon again with another podcast. Um, well, after the final. Tune in, subscribe. Yeah. Uh, tune time. in, subscribe through Spotify and yeah, yeah. Um, tune in and um, through Spotify or um, iTunes to uh, to download and listen to the podcast. And but follow again for another and episode. Follow. I know we don't do and a follow. Job yeah, that's important. Out, so we need to do a better job again. Yeah, got to improve that. Out to people and, and whatever, but um. Yeah, if you do listen to it, like just give it a follow on it. Because boy, I don't know how many people listen to it. Probably no one does apart from my brother on site. But slowly, <laughs> slowly, hopefully it gets out and people a few more people start yeah. listening to it. Yeah, but leave your comments as well. Um DM me personally or whoever. But yeah, um yeah, it's been another the show's wrapped up now and um speak again after the final. Give you, bring you some more content. Review that. Um, yeah, Pete then. was supposed to be here, but last minute, yes, duck out. It would have been a bit more of a an in-depth chat, I think, if all three of us yeah. were here. Because we want to do this more free than two people. Um, yeah, flows yeah, a bit he, more. Yeah, to pull out last minute, like, which is a bit dead. But hopefully, you'll be on the next one. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. So that's it. Um, speech. See you, uh, speak to you again.